This morning, I don't know if you have looked carefully at the worship guide, but there are three sections where I'm going to be reading Scripture. And the reason for that is that it is a very long story. So I have broken it down into three vignettes. And throughout the worship, I will be preaching. So if we were preaching the classic Princeton three-point sermon, this would be the first point. After a while, we'll have the second point. And during our customary time of preaching, we'll do the application and live together the experience of the Word of the Lord. So I ask you at this moment, the word, by the way, the words that I'll be reading are also in your worship guide, so you can refer to them as we read the Word of God this morning. So I invite you to listen to and for the Word of the Lord from John chapter 11 as I begin to preach from verse 1. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was born from, he was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. By the way, Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When Jesus heard this, Jesus said, uh, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed there where they were for two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi they said. A short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and you want to go back? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go with him. And Thomas, also known as Didymus, the twin, said to the disciples, let us go, and that we may die with him. Didn't get it. I have been teaching this last, since yesterday, since last Sunday. It seems to me like yesterday. I live the weeks from sermon to sermon. It sounds like it. I'm introducing a, a series this Easter. We began last week in which we basically uh, saw Jesus emerge out of the tomb. Jesus, so to speak, wake up into a new 
ancient reality for himself, and Jesus arising to a new mission, a new purpose. We saw this last week. Now, we could probably relate with the idea that we see things mostly from a worldly perspective, right? We see things with the light of the world. If we don't have light, we don't see things. Is that okay with us? We see things from a natural perspective. But Jesus does not always see things from a natural perspective, and this is our challenge this morning. Now Jesus, who has risen from the dead and is alive in a so-called spiritual body, not only can He have a relationship with the physical world, but He has, like always, maintained a relationship with the spiritual world, with the world of the soul, the world of the inner man, the inner woman, our inner life. And to be honest with you, Jesus was accused in this story of not caring for people. Jesus in this story just did not care for people. You see, what we're going to find out is that we seem to see the world from a human perspective because we are wrapped up into ourselves. We have wrapped up ourselves into this wonderful package. Look how pretty I look today. I haven't used one of the old, you know, crosses. Because we wrapped ourselves nicely. And we also wrapped our inner being very, very nicely. But we know what's in there. So Jesus, in that first vignette, is being accused of not caring. You see, Jesus has a greater mission. Jesus is not our ATM. Jesus is not our medical urgent center. Jesus is not our hard to get out of problem. Jesus is the Lord. Can I say that again? Jesus is the Lord. He is not our get out of trouble card. He is not our ATM because Jesus is the Lord of all of our lives. He came alive not to give you the money when you need it. He came alive not to make you feel better when you feel bad. He came alive so that we can follow the kingdom and have a relationship with God. You see, Jesus came to teach us God. Jesus came to teach us God. The way we see things is not necessarily the way God sees them. The way out of a situation, conflict or challenges in our lives, is not necessarily the way we figure it out. But along with God, we can figure that out. So our first point this morning is, Jesus cares for us. But He cares more to teach us the life with God. And not just be our band-aid. We have our second scripture reading. Our second scripture reading is from, again, the story of Lazarus, ch uh, verse, chapter 11, verse 17 through 29. And as I was sharing earlier, just to catch up, we, uh, Mary and Martha had sent out notice for Jesus because his, his brother was dying. And there was an emergency, there was a crisis, there was a situation that they felt Jesus was able to attend to and deal with. And Jesus, instead of going back immediately and, and healing and not allowing Lazarus to die, it seems like Jesus allowed Lazarus to die. And it seems that Jesus didn't care for Mary and Martha, even though the text tells us that Jesus loved them. That's what it seems like. But the first point that we learned was that Jesus cares for us, but Jesus cares so much for us that Jesus' priority 
is to teach us the ways of God and not be our ATM, not be our emergency card, not just be there when we need it because Jesus is the Lord of our life. So listen to and for the word of the Lord as I continue to read our passage. Upon his arrival in the town, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from, Jeru from Jerusalem, and many Jews from Jerusalem came to Martha and Mary to comfort them in their loss for their death. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed home. Lord, Martha said, if you would have been here, my brother would have not died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection of the last days. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. No one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come to the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said. And is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to meet him. See, the way sometimes we see a problem, we see a challenge, we see a crisis, we see a discomfort, is not always the way God sees it. Our senses are patterned. Our senses are blocked. Our senses are bound to a naturalistic, experiential way of life. What in the world is that? Naturalistic and experiential. Well, that is the, the idea that we respond, we interpret to life based on our past experiences and based on the knowledge that we have right here, right now. That means that we respond and react to a crisis, we respond and react to a discomfort, we respond and react to a situation that threatens our stability based on our, who we are and what we have. So we tend to see things through a broken set of glasses. We tend to hear things wrongly. We smell suspicion and rejection and will blame others for everything. Jesus understands that. Jesus knows that we are running away from ourselves. And Jesus knows that by us wanting to cure, to whitewash, to cover up our situations, Jesus is aware that we're actually evading, avoiding, dealing with the real issues of our souls. So Jesus wishes to teach us better ways. Jesus wishes to teach us better ways, the life of the kingdom, the ways of the kingdom, so that we will begin to see like God sees, so that we will begin to smell, to sense, to perceive how God discerns, so that we can learn to walk the way Jesus walks, which is not really the way that other people walk. Do you 
believe this. And we've come to our third vignette in our story. Just as a brief reminder, Lazarus is sick. He dies. Jesus doesn't seem to care. People are angry. People are upset. Does that seem like us when we have trouble and we call on to God and poof, doesn't happen? Hmm. Maybe I'm alone in that one. Maybe I'm the only one that gets disappointed when God doesn't answer my prayer when I want it, how I want it. But you know, prayer sometimes and our going to God is not so much for us to twist God's arm, but instead for God to lovingly convince us of God's own will for our lives. We also found out in the second point that, that you know, basically Jesus does, in the first point was Jesus does care. He cares enough to tell us about the things that really matter, like the ways of God. The second idea that we listen, the second vignette, was that Jesus is, uh, sees things differently than we do. And part of Jesus' mission, as we're going to find out in this third point, is that discipleship is about acquiring a new way of seeing, a new way of smelling, discerning, figuring out issues, a new way of speaking, a new way of listening, and even a new way of walking the path, the journey that God has laid out for all of us. So I invite you now in our third vignette to listen to and for the Word of the Lord as Jesus is about to do something undoable. Now, Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house, comforting her, notice how quickly she got up and went out. They followed her. I like this Jews. Supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn again. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would have not died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? he asked. Come and see, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is bad odor. He stinks, for he has been there for four days. Then Jesus said, Do I, did I not tell you that if you believe... You will see the glory of God. So they took away the stone. 
Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me, and I, I know that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of those standing around here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands, his feet wrapped in stripes of linen, and they clothed surrounding his face. And Jesus said to them, unwrap him and let him go. The word of the Lord. God empowers us by unwrapping our souls and our spirits to become sensitive and the real children of God. The dead man came out. His hands and feet were wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. When we emerge from darkness, when we come out into the family of God, when we leave that other perspective of life and we begin to walk fresh anew the ways of Jesus, we can't really see clearly. But last month we heard and we learned that with God, all things are possible. With God. In Matthew it said, for God. In Luke it taught us, with God. So the whole idea of walking, emerging out of darkness, emerging out of death into a new way of being for us is foreign. That's why it requires teachings. That's why it requires learning. That's why it requires the ABCs. That's why it requires for us to learn to walk, stumble, fall, and keep on running. Amen? That is the way in the life that we've been called to. When we emerge from darkness, we emerge in binds. We have the past who still rules over our thinking and not the fresh, liberating Word of God that frees us from the past. We emerge with issues, don't we? Oh, yeah, come on, I deal with them. I bring my own too. Oh, haven't you seen my luggage? Come on. At times in our faith journey, we walk and grow because we don't walk well and we don't grow well because our vision is distorted. Our vision is distorted with the past. Our vision is distorted with our negativity. Our vision is distorted with our doubt. Our vision is distorted with our lack of faith. And Jesus says, unbind him, untie him, loosen him, and let him go. In our waking up to a new reality with God and for God, we may need to use sunglasses until we can see clearly. In our waking up in our reality with God, we are now walking a new walk. We are not going to wobble, but we're not going to fall. You see, when Jesus told the disciples, unwrap them and let them loose, the man was blind. The man couldn't see. The man was, he was all covered up. Like, how many of you are nurses here? You know how you do with one of those bodies? You're covered. Mm -hmm. Right? He was bound up. I wonder how many of us still live the life of faith with binds and ties to our past, to our present that wants to enslave us, that wants to bring us down. And yet Jesus is shouting, unbind them and let them loose. 
I invite you this morning to let us begin to see like God wants us to see with the faith of God. I invite you this morning to learn to hear, to hear not just what's said, to hear what's meant. And I invite you this morning to smell, begin to discern if it's good cook. Those of you who have been home, you're always having a dinner. You talk about, it smells so good. I smell all the way up the stairs. So you know you're going to a good place. And I invite you this morning to learn to walk faithfully, steadfastly, consistently the way of God, the way of the Lord, the way of God. You see, God empowers us by unwrapping our souls and spirits to live the kingdom life by becoming sensitive to God. Jeremiah said in the Old Testament that the, that the Spirit of God will come and take our hearts of stone and turn them into flesh, sensitive to the Spirit of God, sensitive to the will of God for our life, which is always good, sensitive to us also. Let us pray. Dear God, we thank you that you speak to us in so many ways. We thank you that as the tulip trees flower behind us, it's a reminder of the promises that you're faithful and your mercies are forever and evermore. When we see people gathering in the morning in this sanctuary, we thank you that ultimately you are the one who inspires us to come to dwell in your presence as brothers and sisters in a community of faith in this very small little corner of the world which we call Latter Hope Presbyterian Church. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your words of wanting to guide us to a place where we can make a difference in this community. Not only the church, but the people who are the church. Becoming the difference. Learning to walk your ways, to speak your words, to hear you, to see you. We thank you, God. We come at this moment in prayer with concerns that each one of us may have. Perhaps financial, perhaps career, perhaps a sudden change in our lives, a life-changing experience that tends to take the rug from under us. But we are plainly standing over your rock. Nothing can move us from your love. Nothing can move us from your care. Nothing can move us from your passion for us. We pray for those sisters and brothers who are hurting this morning. Some are here. Some are home. We pray for the uncertainties of all of our lives one way or the other. That you will give us the peace to walk through that uncertainty with grace and humility and simplicity of life. We give you thanks for the times that you have been with us, and we ask you to make us aware of every single moment that you're with us, which is always. 
We thank you for Jesus who did the amazing thing of rising up a dead man. <laughs> As he rose himself from the dead. And not only rising up a dead man, but rising within us. The spirit that was dead, the yearning for God, the thirst and hunger after God, now can be satisfied in Him. And we thank you that He taught us this beautiful prayer to say together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever.